Tony Marcolini. I'm a professor and an attorney here in the great state of New Jersey. I'm joined today with my two co-hosts, uh, attorney and author John Hartman and the uh, executive chef at Camp David, the uh, former White House chef, uh, Marty Mangiello. And today we have a very, very, very special guest who I'm excited to introduce. Uh, you will know him from his uh, journalism uh, with both TV Guide, uh, Entertainment uh, Weekly, TV Line, which he's the founder of. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't know who he is. Uh, if you are an avid reader like I am, you read his book, Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. The, the Hero Dies. The Great... <laughs> the great Michael Osiello. Uh, Michael, we're going to get started with you in one second. Michael, welcome, and Tony, over to you. Okay, well, the first thing I have to ask before we get into anything else is about your post on Instagram, right? That when you were a child, or I don't know how old you are, maybe you can tell us, you started a Days of Our Lives fan club right from your house that nobody uh, nobody knew. It was like a, a kid from his house doing it, and your parents found out. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, I was, um, I, I mean, I was young. I was like in my teen, early teens and uh, I was obsessed with Days of Our Lives and I was also just obsessed with um, the sort of the magazines and the fandom around Days of Our Lives uh, as well. And, you know, obviously this is before the internet. Um, so, you know, I, I would have to wait for things to arrive in the mail or for, you know, magazines to show up at my newsstand to read anything about it. But I belong to several fan clubs associated with Days of Our Lives, and I got it in my head that I'd like to start my own, you know. And, you know, I was, I think it was 14, 15 years old and um, really didn't fully grasp all that was probably involved in starting a fan club, which is essentially a business. Um, and uh, but still, nonetheless, put an ad in uh, uh, one of the soap publications uh, about this new fan club that I was starting for Days of Our Lives. Started getting uh, um, uh, letters and emails, uh, not emails, letters. Sorry <laughs> about about it with checks for the ten dollar or twelve dollars. I think it might have been um, uh, <laughs> annual fee, and my mom intercepted it and freaked out. I love like, that. She's like, what, where are these checks coming from? You don't have a bank account. You're a kid. Start acting like one. <laughs> yeah. Entrepreneurial zeal. I love that. I mean, at the start, right, you, you had the spark, the interest in, in entertainment and writing about it and 
I guess you were a little starstruck back then too, uh, like yeah. I am to meet you to meet you now. Okay, so the the real reason I think that I was so interested in having you on, um, and of course, there's so much to talk about. We can talk about your start, you know, you starting uh, with TV Guide, and I was I read your column, you know, even when back then, uh, and Entertainment Weekly. So I've been a fan, and I've read your stuff before, uh, but. When your book came out, uh, you know, I I guess I was going through, a, you know, a time in my life, not many people know, but I myself am a cancer survivor. Uh, and I read your book, I, I guess at a time when I, I so needed to feel connected uh, to, to somebody who got it, you know, who's somebody who, who understood the journey. Uh, and I read your book in one sitting, you know, over the course of one day. And I was so impressed with it. And I, I felt you had captured literally the journey, the moments, the stages so well that I, that's why I really wanted to come on and talk to you. It, it's very personal what you wrote. And I guess I wondered when, when was the moment for you when you thought, I, I have to make, I have to write this book? Um, well, first of all, Tony, thank you very much for, for saying all that. Um, and, I, and before I get into that, I I, um, I want to sort of get something off my chest here. And I sort of alluded to it a little bit before we started um, about uh, the Ronald Reagan po po portrait <laughs> in, uh, in the square. Um, is that John or Joe? I'm That's sorry. John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John. Um, I, I, I have to admit, it's... I, I'm having a, struggling a little bit here, um, looking at that man and talking about a book that details a relationship between two men, um, and thinking about how that man basically decimated our community with the AIDS crisis, um, his complicity, and I, I'm struggling a little bit talking about this book and talking about the spirit of the book while also looking at a, a picture of this man who um, just basically ravaged our community and led to so many de deaths. Yeah, and I'm, 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 if, I'm not looking at respect for that. You could zoom in. Check out. Okay. Not a problem, not a problem. Yeah, yeah. we should have him, have him get the Elvis picture back up again, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to just be completely honest. I, I didn't realize that, you know, that that... He, that Ronald Reagan was going to figure so so prominently <laughs> That's in this John's discussion. Thing. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to be honest about that. It's no problem. You know, um, it's amazing. Uh, one of our exhibits coming up in 2023 um, actually deals with a hero, an American hero who saved the president's life. And uh, I don't know if you know about this or not, but the only woman ever to shoot and try to kill the president of the United States there's only been one, Tony, <laughs> um, tried to shoot Gerald Ford to death with a handgun in San Francisco as he come out of a hotel. And an American Marine hero, a real man, um, grabbed her, you know, stopped and, and fired the gun up into the air because she was still firing it repeatedly and then wrestled it away from her and saved the president's life. And he was heralded nationwide um, as a real man who saved the president of the United States. He received so many accolades, Michael, so many accolades until several days later, it came out. Somebody actually ratted him out and outed him, which he did not want done without his permission and said, 
this gentleman's gay and lives here in San Francisco. His parents disowned him. Mm. He was run down a flight of steps, forbidden from ever entering into his parents' house again, removed yeah. from his church. It's like unbelievable. How do you go from being an, an international hero, a, a United States Marine who saved the president's life during a shooting, and now all of a sudden you are like disowned by your family? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 so sad and heartbreaking that that this it still goes on today. You think we've made a lot of progress, but uh, in in many ways um, we haven't. But you know, we, we I, I lost we lost a generation of gay men from the AIDS crisis, and Ronald Reagan did not acknowledge its existence um, until it was too late, uh, and even then, really didn't acknowledge it in a way. Um, that at least yeah, I think anyone feels was acceptable. Um, so, uh, which, which this leads to a very interesting trivia question I asked my wife about a month ago. I said, "Honey, do you know who the only president that ever admitted that he laid with another man to the United States Secret Service and the American Senate? Do you know the only president in writing? No, no. Is Gerald Ford?" Okay. Because Donald Rumsfeld, who just passed away, took his body, threw him into the limousine, and laid down on top of him as that thing sped away to, to try and protect him. Yeah. So it's a very interesting trivia question. Um, they obviously were, were both heterosexual men, but, yeah. but it's just that to me is unbelievable. An American hero who was disowned by his family. Mm-hmm. It was just unbelievable. It's the subject of an exhibit that we're working on for 2023. Great. Tony, I'm so sorry. You, you asked a question about that. Okay. <laughs> I just actually, I just wanted to. I was wondering when was the moment because it is such a personal story that you told. I mean, when was the moment that you said, "I have to share this"? Um, the moment came after I was approached about writing the book. Like I. I it wasn't my idea. Oh. I wasn't thinking of writing a book, but an acquaintance of mine was an editor uh, um, uh, at Simon and Schuster. Reached out to me and had sort of been following my journey, uh, Kit's journey, and my journey on Facebook because I sort of been detailing uh, to our right. sort of the close circle of friends what Kit had been going through and his diagnosis, and sort of taking them sort of. Uh, letting them in a little bit on, on, on what was happening. And uh, after Kit died, uh, Rakesh, who is the uh, uh, editor at Simon & Schuster, reached out to me several months after and uh, asked if he thought I might be interested in writing a book about it. And, you know, my first reaction was, no, <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't say this, but I thought this. It was like, you know, the thought of... Um, going back and revisiting his his death in in specific painstaking detail seems like a nightmare to me uh, at the same time you know the opportunity to um, introduce kit to uh, you know thousands um, of new people um, potentially millions um, you know uh, 
was an opportunity I couldn't I couldn't pass up. You know, this was he just was so special, and and what he went through was so difficult. And I felt like there were there was a story there, like deep in my heart. I felt like there, I would I would be doing an I'd be doing myself an injustice if I didn't um, do the difficult thing and just sort of plow ahead and tell this story. So um, you know, I, I I thought about it for a couple of weeks and um, got back to them and said, yeah, I think uh, you know, God help me, I think. Uh, I want to write this story. Well, it's a it's a poignant story from beginning to end. Of course, I mean, I knew the ending before I started it, but I, I felt like I was hoping. Every page I read, I, I guess, you know, oddly, I kept hoping something different uh, would happen by the time you got to the end of the book. But, of course, we know that he ultimately did pass uh, from, from cancer. Uh, and... I mean, I have to be honest, what I guess I think I was most surprised about in reading the book is how honest you are. Uh, I mean, this was a warts and all tale. I mean, you didn't turn around and change Kit into maybe somebody he wasn't. Um, you, you portrayed him, I imagine, exactly like he was. You know, there was a lot of humanity there. There was the, the, the fun side to him, the humorous, the kind, uh, the part you fell in love with. And then you put the negative parts of being with him and, and uh, the parts of his character that maybe weren't so flattering. Um, mm-hmm. How did you make that decision? Because I think most people writing a book especially after somebody passes, would have been tempted to truly make a hero out of them and not and not bring that humanity to the person, you know, just kind of put them up on that pedestal. But you didn't do that. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing the story justice. I wouldn't be doing him justice if I sugarcoated him and, and uh, you know, softened all of his edges, you know, all his... his um, uh, the good and bad things are about him are what made him kit. Uh, and also I didn't sort of airbrush myself either. You know, I, I don't necessarily come off, um, as a, uh, I, I definitely don't come off as sort of a flawless person. Um, cause I'm not, we were both flawed people. Our relationship was flawed, but there was so much love there. Um, and, uh, that you know that it's really basically as cheesy as it sounds it's like it's a love conquers all kind of story you know and we were opposites and there was just you know i i i know as someone who watches uh television a lot and and um and the movies that i love and the books that i i remember are the ones that tell the story of flawed characters people who aren't perfect because none of us are uh and uh, you know i you know, I, I felt like I would be diminishing Kit and and the, the story itself if I were to sort of just go in and shoot Would he have liked it? Would he like the book? Oh, that's tough. I don't. I don't like to speak for for him. Um, I I I think he he would. You know, I I I I think ultimately, um, you know, he might take issue with. You know, maybe I got a you know a couple little things wrong about his career or his tastes. You know, he might he might take issue with some of those things. Um, but for the for uh, the most part, you know, I I hope I think he I think he would like it. I think he would be amused by it. I think he would be moved by it. Um, 
and uh, but but again, you know, who, you know, I I don't know, and that's one of the that's one of the scary things. He's not here. He wasn't here for me to consult or to bounce ideas off of. And there were certainly periods, there still are, where I struggle with, did I reveal too much? Um, did I uh, did I do right by him? You know, and uh, and ultimately, you know, I think the response to the book is what sort of gives me some sense of peace when people like yourself reach out to me and who have been through similar struggles. Uh, either with sure. cancer or in uh, uh, LGBTQ relationship and say that they felt seen reading the book. And um, also, it's wonderful when I hear people say how much they loved Kit, who had never met him before. Wow. Um, that also is really heartening to me and makes me feel like I, I did a good thing. Well, Michael, I've never met you before, but um, you know, you have such a heartfelt, loving mannerism about you. Um, I I would think that the reaction to the book um, is very positive in heaven. So uh, when we come back, Tony, um, it's amazing that Miss You Graham of New York is one of our sponsors today. Um, but uh, we'll be back in one second. And when we come back, Tony uh, is going to pick it up with a brand new question for you. Did you ever miss someone who has passed away? Now, there's the Miss you Graham app, giving people a brand new way to tribute the lives of deceased loved ones or simply remember tender memories. This exclusive app is a user-friendly social media platform, giving people everywhere a respectable and comfortable place to create private or public memoriams. Miss you Graham has additional features like chat rooms and links to deceased databases and inspirational quotes. Users can also comment and connect on public post. Join us and keep memories alive forever. Everyone wants to be remembered. For more details and download on the Google Play or Apple App Store, visit miss-u-gram.com. back with Michael Ocielo. Uh Michael, I, I've read that the book was optioned by Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. Is this yep. true? Yes. So what was that like, getting that phone call? Uh, well, it was actually, I found out in person um, because Jim, uh, when I was doing my book tour uh, three years ago, I had asked Jim because we had crossed paths many times uh, because I've covered the Big Bang Theory a lot. So I've interviewed him and we always had a really friendly rapport. Uh, and when, when I was looking for moderators for the various Q and A's I was doing at, at, uh, around the country, um, I asked him if he would moderate the one in LA. And he uh, 
he said yes, I believe, before even reading the book. Uh, and then he read, you know, read the book. And when we were at the Barnes and Noble at the Grove backstage, before going out, him and his husband Todd, who uh, runs the production company, um, that's Wonderful Productions. Um, alluded to the fact that they had had a conversation about potentially optioning the book. So uh, it was kind of incredible before we walked out on stage to sort of, to hear that. Um, it was it was mind-blowing and also incredibly exciting, slightly terrifying. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, a couple months later, the, the deal was done and it happened. And um, I, I couldn't be happier to be in business with him. Is he going to be actually playing you in the film? Yes. You know, wow. Yeah, so he's he's playing me, um, and the movie has since been um, picked up uh, at Focus Features. So there's a studio, and um, you know we're, we're deep in the development, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we'll be shooting it. Um, uh, hopefully, sometime later this year. Oh, that's exciting! Wow. Uh, how does that feel? Thinking that Jim Parsons is going to be playing you. <laughs> I know it's, it's so strange. It's sometimes I catch myself and I'm and, and that and it hits me like sort of like the way it just hit you when you you said it and it's it's very surreal uh, in those moments. But um, uh, I think I'm I part of it doesn't still quite feel real and it sure. might not feel real until I'm sitting in a movie theater. And, you know, God willing, everything go, goes according to plan how to get to make this movie, um, sitting in the movie theater and just um, watching him play me, then it will probably Imagine telling that 15-year-old you who, for the Days of Our Lives fan club that someday <laughs> <laughs> not only you can yeah. have a best-selling book, but, you know, a very, very uh, famous actor was going to be playing you. I know. And... and it's incredible, you know, I grew up in a small town in Rosa Park, I, you know, I, I talk a little bit in the book about how I was, you know, an overweight kid, obviously a closeted kid, and um, uh, it, it feels that it's been quite a journey from that, that uh, what I call Fat Mike, which is how I refer to him lovingly, um, to uh, where I am now. Um, and But it's also bittersweet because, you know, the book, the movie, all of it came from a tragedy, and mm. um, yeah. and I. So all of it is tinged with a, a bit of sadness, um, and uh, you know uh, that that's something that I struggle with too. You know, um, but that's real. Uh, I mean, there's so uh, the, the, it was so real the moments that you captured along the way. Uh, I thought both from Kit's experience uh, with going through everything and also from his, the spouse's perspective, from the family member's perspective of watching it and you perceived everything very differently, right? The person, you know, going through those stages of, of maybe, you know, anger and denial and, uh, you know, hoping and, you know, and hope and then kind of resigned himself and I hate to say saying goodbye, but starting to know that uh, the, the end was near. And I think there's that one experience and then there's the family member's experience, uh, which is very different. And I thought you you really 
captured both. Sometimes you read a book and there's, you know, there's one chapter that's about somebody and the next chapter is about somebody else. And, uh, you know, but that's all fiction. Uh, like you literally captured both points of view so eloquently. Um, Thank you. And I I thought it it just, it spoke to me uh, because some of those moments, even with how he felt in those moments, I I really felt connected, uh, which why I reached out and I said, you know, thank you. I mean, your your book actually made a difference. It it mattered. I was like, I finished at like three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, and I know, I'm like crying by myself. that, That, it means a lot. Um, it means a lot to hear that. So thank it you. It was a very tough time for Tony. Uh, she's a very, very powerful and successful attorney known across the tri-state region. I was sending her baskets of fruit, uh, Michael, kiwis, all types of stuff. Um, yeah, it was a very, very difficult time for anybody. How are you doing, Tony? With uh, you- I'm in remission. I I feel so blessed. You know, I used it uh, as an experience to change my life, uh, Mm -hmm. to try to cut down on stress. I changed how I eat and how I live. Um, I'm on like a whole, uh, you know, whole food plant-based diet and I exercise and I have stress techniques that I incorporate into my life. So I I really Mm -hmm. tried to use it to change uh, everything about myself because I was leading uh, 80 hour work week, uh, overly stressed lifestyle. And I didn't care how I ate and it really does matter. Mm. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Thank you. I, uh, you're a vegetarian, right? Or am I? I'm a pescatarian. Okay. So, I eat, so I fish. Eat food. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I'm, I'm for, no chicken, no meat, no right. pork. Right. Favorite fish right now or favorite fish this month? Um, I, I've always been partial to swordfish, but okay. the high mercury count in it has sort yeah. of turned me off of it late, you know. Um, yeah. I, there's such an awareness to it, and I think maybe I was in denial about it for a while. Um, I also like shrimp. I'm a big shrimp fan. Yes, yes. Yeah, we took our daughter uh, all the way over to the coast, and I was so proud of her, Michael. Um, we brought her into, you know, we were watching the boats because we, we rented a place for like two weeks on the beach and and one night they come out there and they they stayed all night long and you could see their lights were on and stuff and then they went away like two days later so we took her down to the local fish market um off the north carolina coast and we were showing her all the kinds of fish and trigger fish and, and of course it was they had a little bit of this because when you bring in the net it's oh we got five trigger fish in there and you know different fish and but i did make her go into the shrimp basket and i was really adamant of the fact I wanted her at, at, of course, nine years old at the time, but to go in there and get the shrimp with the heads and, and the tentacles and everything. We went back home and we made her clean them and everything to see, you know, the real truth of nature. And, and she wasn't a baby about it at all. Uh, another shrimp lover. She was not a little priss. So um, I just was super proud of her for doing that. Yeah. So is you uh, you mentioned Michael that you grew up in New Jersey, Roselle Park, New Jersey, uh, yeah. and if I read somewhere and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but that you're developing a show about your experience, is that accurate? Uh, yes, uh, I, I, um, uh, someone uh, Ben Stevenson is an executive at Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' production company, who had read my book. 
and uh, loved the book and called me in for a meeting and we were discussing, uh, just talking about my, uh, my life and he uh, was particularly interested in my childhood, um, which I touch on in the other book, being a soap opera fanatic growing up. And, you know, one thing led to another and uh, we decided to try to turn it into a television show um, about, uh, about a kid um, in a small town, New Jersey, who uh, sort of fantasizes about um, an alternate universe, soap opera alternate universe, because when I was a kid, I used to write my own soap opera. In addition to watching them, I wrote my own. Uh, and I still have all 300 some odd scripts uh, in my, uh, my, my, my late mother's uh, um, storage trunk here. Uh, and I saved all of that. And, um, uh, and so we're just sort of thinking about how, how can we make that a TV show? Uh, and that's not something I've ever seen before. I've never saw, I've never seen sort of the wonder years sort of told from a gay perspective. Sure. And also with this uh, added soap opera fantasy element. I love that. You know, we have that we were we can bond over this. When I was young, I used to have my Barbie dolls and I literally used to write a soap opera for them. So they would have their real lives and then I would, you know, drive them over to the studio and they would act out these soap operas that I created and then drive home to their regular lives. So we're kind of bonded on that. Well, what's interesting is it's such a relatable thing for kids growing up pre-internet and pre-gaming when we had to create our own entertainment um and also for 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 uh i find in the lgbtq community that there were not a lot of options for us or the options that were presented to us in terms of entertainment we didn't like um like i wanted to play with barbies uh that i i wanted desperately to play with barbies i would sneak across the street to my uh friend Linda Sweeto's house and play with them and then rush home. And I obviously wouldn't tell my dad, but um, I had to make compromises and sacrifices and find my own entertainment uh, and amusement. And one of those things was telling the story, which was called Beverly Hills. But I find in talking to a lot of my gay friends um, that uh, they also did the same thing. They all had this sort of this storytelling vibe. And part of it, I think, is because you want to escape. You want to escape from your environment, your current situation, um, and uh, and what better way to do it than in a world that you create your, yourself. Well, you have the heart of a writer, that's for sure. Um, I'm curious, I will be following to see this new show come out. I'm excited. Well, it's just in development, so I want to be very clear. It's like, it's, you know, the thing it's is, the road. someone who's covered television for as long as I have, I know how hard it, difficult it is to get a television show made. Like, there are a million ideas, things are being developed, you know, pilot scripts are being written, pilots are being picked up. But to actually get to a series is, you know, the odds are stacked against you. But I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, I believe in the idea. Um, the, the team at Bad Robot is incredible. Um, but uh, that said, we're, we're, we're a pretty far away from actually sh- starting to shoot uh, Show. Well, you're busy anyway uh, with the movie yeah. coming up and with all that you do, the TV line. I, yes. I know we're out of time, but I, there were so many other things I really wanted to get to. Uh, I'm hoping that you, you'll say yes to come back again. I would love to. Okay. I, oh, my gosh. And update us. 
on what you're doing. And this yeah. is like with so many of the things I really wanted to get to, but I know t there are time constraints and the like, but I, I, I have to let you go. But I was just hoping before you left, you, you, you promise you'll come back. I will definitely come back. And I also, I just want to quickly say, um, I didn't mean for John to leave. Oh, I, no. just hope, I was just hoping he would get rid of I think he was feeling more sensitive that he didn't want to hurt you any further. Um, within his kindness and oh. how disruptive maybe that. Uh, normally he has the picture of Elvis up. I don't know where that Reagan came back again from. So we made him take it Elvis. down. We made him take it down. He had it like the first podcast and we were like, take take it down. Uh, yeah. And he took it down and put Elvis up. I don't know how it got back up. But <laughs> we, we, we appreciate you so much, uh, what you've gone through, uh, what you're doing every day in the LGBTQIA lifestyle. My daughter is non-binary. Uh, we have several gay gentlemen in our family. Uh, we love everybody. And we're very proud of you and your work, Michael. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And again, before yeah. I let you go, thank you. It meant something to me. Thanks. It really did. It sure did. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Be good. Bye.